Do you know what the all-important context of the entire Bible is? What difference does it make understanding this vital context? Welcome to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos, joining you as we continue in our truly enlightening series, Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant. Maybe you've heard the saying or someone say, you can't see the forest for the trees. And what we mean by that is sometimes when a person is down in the forest, what do you see is a lot of trees. But you're so close to the trees, you can't see the forest for the trees. So what do you do? Well, maybe if you got to a clearing in the forest and then hopped into a helicopter, you could fly above the forest and then you could see the entire forest above the tree line. And that's what I wanted to do with this particular podcast. I wanted to take a little bit of a deviation from our normal course going through the book of Hebrews, and we'll get back to that next week. But I wanted to take this particular podcast as an opportunity to zoom out, to see the forest for the trees to a very important context, not only in the book of Hebrews, but in the entire Bible. And that context is God as our Father, bringing His children home to His great heart of love. I want you to take a moment and just ponder that thought. The great context of the entire Bible being God the Father as our Father, bringing His children home to His great heart of love. You know, if we fail to catch this all-important context of the Father's love then we see the Bible and what it offers merely as pieces or things, maybe even theologies or perhaps a collection of good ideas, rather than expressions of the infinite love of our Father Father God. We can miss out in our experience of the Father's love, that sense that he really loves me. Now, I know as soon as I start talking about experience, some of us have sort of a knee-jerk reaction to that. We, we, we think, no, wait a minute. We don't want to base our Christianity on experience. We don't want to base our, our Christianity on the way we feel. Well, that's true. But there is an incredible balance between the truth of the Scripture and our experience of God himself. In fact, Jesus spoke about this in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39. And he said this, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now, right there is the happy balance between the truth of the scripture and the experience of, with Christ that that scripture points to. Jesus said that these scriptures testify of me, and we, upon that testimony, are to go to Jesus, the one who is eternal life. This reminds me of what it says also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. So there certainly is something that's very important in that the scripture itself points us 
to a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you look at Jesus, he is pointing to another person, and that person is our Father God, his Father, our Father. And so it's very important that we enter into the experience of the Father's love. If it's something that's just merely in our head as a bunch of facts, it doesn't really have traction for us in our life, whether we're going through good good times or bad times. Now, I want to make this personal because the Lord has been, for me, uh, revealing in a much deeper way the Father's love that he has for me personally and for all of his sons and daughters. And as I said, this revelation is through the Scripture, thank God for the Scripture, but also through the Spirit bringing the enlightenment, turning the light on so that we can see, so that we can experience. And for me personally, God has lately been bringing me into a deeper understanding and a deeper experience that God as my Father loves me as his son. And, and I'll tell you what, that truth, that reality, that experience is having such a deep impact upon my life. You know, we come into this world as orphans. The Bible clearly teaches that we're sinners separated from God as we are born in this world. But the Bible also has the wonderful news, and we certainly see see this so clearly in the book of Hebrews, that through Jesus, Father God's Son, we have been made sons and daughters of God. But you see, most of us suffer from an orphan mentality. We have been so used to living life alone as an orphan, rather than living in the joy of being in the Father's loving embrace. Remember Luke chapter 15, the the account of the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son? You have the father, and then you have two sons. And you know, we can see that each of these sons, though very different in the way they lived their lives, both had the same orphan mindset. You had the prodigal son who was living crazy. He blew his father's inheritance. And after finally coming to his senses, he returns home and thinks that the only way his father will accept him is not as a son, but merely as a hired hand. But you know the story, you know the parable. The father saw the son coming back from a great distance and he ran to meet his son. He threw his arms around his son and smothered him with kisses. He was so glad to see his son back home. He even interrupted his son's prepared speech about not being worthy to be called his son anymore. And would you just take me as a hired hand? And what did the father do with such love? He put the robe around his son. He put shoes on his feet. He gave him that ring, which was such a symbol of sonship, a symbol of God's authority with us that was given. And But that account of the parable of the prodigal son, there's not just one son that's a parable, there's an older son. And he never left home. And when he hears all this partying going on in celebration of the return of the prodigal, he is 
bitter against his father. And he says, all these years I've slaved for you and you've never given me a kid. He was so bitter and he totally missed the loving, generous, and joyful heart of his father. The key in that parable is in Luke chapter 15, verse 31. And it says this, the father says to that son, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. You see, we can be like one or the other of those two sons. They're really both sort of prodigal sons. One who just kind of goes off the deep end in sin and craziness, and the other one who's trying to please the Father all the time, trying to do the right things. And really, both of them are living not as sons, but as slaves, we can have an orphan mentality and it can be crippling in our life experience of the Father's love. Hey, may I be honest with you or may I just challenge you personally? Are you one of those sons? When you hear the wonderful words of the Father, and this represents the heart of Father God, Son, daughter, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Do you see those emphatic words, always with me, and all that I have is yours? But you see, the truth is, we are no longer orphans because of what the Father God has done in giving his Son, Jesus Christ. Having believed on Jesus, we were born again into a new family, not of Adam's failing, sinning race, but in Christ, the last Adam, the Son of God. We are children of Jesus' Father, Father God. Hey, think about this. God, who is the creator of everything, of the universe, of the billions of galaxies in the known universe. He loves you. He loves me. And you see, everything that we see in the Bible at large and in the New Covenant, the book of Hebrews in particular, has a very important context. And it is this context of Father God. It is the context of the Father's love. You know, in most places in the Bible where the word God is used, you can substitute it with Father God. Try it. Go through the scripture. It really has a powerful impact. It changes the way you view things. Sometimes we can think of God and it just seems so abstract. But God has revealed himself as Father. And he has done so through the Son. You see, when we personalize those God words with Father God, it brings the heart, love, and action of the Father close to our view. And you'll see it's all over the Bible. You know, it's really interesting when you look through the Bible at the biblical references as God, as Father. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the word Father appears eight, in 801 verses? That's right, 801 verses in the Old Testament use the word Father in them. But did you know that only 14 of them refer to God as Father? 14 out of 801. 
Well, when we get to the New Testament, the number of references to God as Father explodes. In the New Testament, there are 244 verses that mention God as Father. And interestingly enough, 103 of those 244 are contained in the Gospel of John alone. See, Jesus, when he came on the scene, he was the revealing of God the Father. It was like God the Father was on the spot. No longer is God the Father sort of veiled, but now God the Father is seen in the face of his Son, Jesus Christ. Read this in uh, John chapter 5. Why don't you turn, if you have your Bible, to John chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. You know, Jesus was constantly talking about his Father and pointing out the fact that what he was doing and what he was saying didn't have its origin in him, but its origin from the Father. Do you have a John chapter 5, beginning in verse 19? Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Father, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Isn't it striking the number of times that the words Father and Son come up? That's why when we hit the New Testament, the references to God as Father just simply explode. Jesus came on the spot And there was the revelation of the Father. You know, it's so easy for us to miss this. This important context in the entire Bible of the Father. The Father's love. The Father's embrace. The Father's work through the Son. And as I mentioned earlier, if we miss this important context of the Father and the Father's love, the Bible just ends up being a bunch of pieces rather than an integrated whole in the heart of a father God, bringing sons and daughters home. And we can see the love of the father expressed in so many verses. I just want to share with you two passages. The first is a very familiar one, John three sixteen. Most of us have it committed to memory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Now, we can take that particular verse and substitute for the word God, Father, the Father, because it speaks about the Son, and where you see the Son, you see the Father. So let's try it with this approach. For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now let's take this verse 
and personalize it. And instead of saying world, say me. For Father, God the Father, so loved me that he gave his only begotten Son, that if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's another passage uh, about the Father's love expressed. And, And let me just say this, that the love of God isn't just feeling. There is intense feeling of love, but God's love does. God's love uh, responds with compassion. It doesn't just simply pass us by. It meets us, picks us up, and God the Father wraps his his arms of love around us. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God, Father, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8. So we see that Christ's dying for us and doing all for us is the demonstration of the Father's love. This is straight from from the heart of the Father. This is his passion. This is what drives him. I'm thinking of one other verse here. In Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about our condition before Christ, before salvation, beginning in verse 1. And it's bad, you know, being dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, um, conducting ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. At the end of verse 3, how bleak when it says, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But then there's verse four, but God, but the father, father God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, read it for yourself in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and note particularly starting in verse 4, the heart of of Father God being rich in mercy because motivated by his great love with which he loved us. That's just some of the many expressions in the Bible about the Father's love for you and for me. You know, whenever you see the word son in the Bible, obviously it means that there is a father, right? I mean, that just makes sense. If there's a son, there has to be a father. And so the language of son and sonship is indeed tied to the father. When we think of God the son, that means that there is God the father. And the term son of God appears 45 times in the New Testament, son of God. And we see that Jesus' father is God the father. That's why he is his son. 
And we see this father and son relationship between Father God and Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, when he came up out of the waters, what happened? The Spirit of God came upon him, and then there was a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's the heart of the Father toward the Son, toward Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, we've seen a lot of uh, references to sonship. In Hebrews chapter 1, right at the very beginning, verse 1, it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through him also he made the worlds. And because we see that God has in these last days spoken by the Son, implicit in that is the relationship with the Father. God speaking to us through the Son is expressing himself as the loving Heavenly Father that he really is. In Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, it says this, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be my son. He shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Do you see it? Jesus is special, unique from the angels because he is God's son. And it says there in verse five, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So the peak expression, the peak revelation of the heart of God is the father-son relationship. That is incredibly uh, powerful. Take a moment, just let that soak in. God in revealing himself, the very essence of who he is, reveals himself in that love relationship, that love embrace of father and son. And the wonderful news about Hebrews is it isn't just limited to Jesus. Because God the Father sent his Son, there can be many sons, many daughters. So in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, it says this, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Did you, did you catch that? Many sons, not just a few. 
to bring many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praises to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given to me. That's in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Do you see the connecting points? God, in his peak revelation, reveals himself as the love relationship of father to son. And that son, Jesus Christ, is the one who brings many sons to glory. He is the one who, because of what he has done and accomplished in sanctifying us, in cleansing us, in renewing us, in causing us to be reborn, brings us into the family of the Father. That's why it says he's not ashamed to call them brethren. You see, that's family talk. And a person is a brother to someone else because they share a common father. And so we are brothers with Jesus Christ because we have been made sons and daughters of God through the Son. And we together with Jesus can say, my Father. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, it says this, But as many as have received him, Jesus, to them he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. God, through our receiving Christ, has given us the right to become children of God. And we can say, Father God. How about this in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. Isn't that incredible? Wow. At just the right time, Father God sent to us his son. And he did that so that we would be redeemed uh, from the redeemed those who are under the law. There is a curse under the law. The law says, uh, obey God all the time, every time from the heart. And if you disobey once, you're cursed. Well, who hasn't failed? And without the son coming, the son from the heart of the father, we would still be under that curse. But he was sent to redeem us. How did he do it? Through his own precious blood. 
That's what Hebrews is about, particularly chapter 7 and chapter 8. Why? That we may be brought in as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. You know, if you're like me, you might be thinking, you know, okay, I, I can see that God is my father, and I'm so grateful for that, but I really don't get this son thing. I mean, how do we do this son or daughter thing with God as our father? <laughs> you see, God has it covered. Father God is so brilliant and his love is so extensive and so powerful that he doesn't leave us alone. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14? He will not leave us as orphans, but he will send another, the Spirit. Where is the Spirit? Inside of us. The Spirit of Christ. As it says right here in Galatians chapter 4, the Spirit of of his son, father's son, into our hearts. So inside of you, Christian, inside of you, believer, is the son living and alive. And that son inside of you cries out, Abba, Father. And that expression of Abba is like the, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of intimacy, it would be like saying, Papa, Daddy, Abba, Abba, Father. It is the heart of a child, even a little child, who comes running into their father's arms. And that father just engulfs him in his loving embrace. That's the spirit of sonship, the spirit of the son that we have inside of us. And I think that we make this so complicated. God has made it easy because God the Father, God the Father has sent his Son not just on the streets of Jerusalem and Galilee 2,000 years ago, but he said, I must, I must ascend to heaven. Why? So that the Spirit could come. Why? So that Christ would dwell in inside of us so that Christ in us the hope of glory Colossians 1:27 Christ in us is the spirit of the son that very naturally relates to the father and so as it says there in Galatians 4 verse 7 we're no longer a slave we can get rid of that slave mentality you are not a slave you are a son and not just any old son, you are an heir of God through Christ. Read that for yourself in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28, it says this, For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Wow. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28. This one who is our high priest and the subject keeps coming up over and over again. The one who offers perfect gifts, offerings, and sacrifice. His own life, his own blood, his own body. This priest, Jesus, 
is the Son, the Son of our Father, the Son of our Father. Think about it. That's what this is all about. That's what the new covenant is about. That's what the gospel is about. That's what Hebrews is about. It's about God himself going through extraordinary means and ends to bring us to himself. As I said at the beginning, the Bible's chief subject, the the important, all-important context of the entire Bible is the Father's love for you, the Father's love for me. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, that that love existed toward you and me before time began. It is a love that truly has gone through extraordinary measures to save us and to bring us home into the Father's arms. You see, that's what Hebrews is all about. It's the Father accomplishing all through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be in His loving arms, safe, secure, loved. And we are made sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, with all the amazing privileges of being Father God's child. And what an identity this gives us. You know, many of us have been in situations where we have lost jobs, maybe jobs that we held for a long time. And we have discovered that, you know what, maybe our identity was just too much wrapped up in our job, in what we did. But you see, the things of this world are passing. They're not lasting. God, Father God, never meant for our identity to be in things, in what we do, not even in our ministry. God the Father meant our identity to be wrapped up in his heart of love, that our identity is this. I am Father God's beloved son. I am Father God's beloved daughter. Mm. You see, look again at your Bible, now in this incredible context of God your Father. See how Jesus spoke so often about his Father. And know that Jesus is speaking of your Father too. See, Jesus came to reveal the Father. And this is vividly seen in uh, the Gospel of John particularly. Well, let me show you one particular passage in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Why don't you flip to this particular passage quickly. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Jesus is speaking and says to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I just want to stop right there. Do you note? Jesus is preparing a place in our Father's house. Verse 4, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, that's a powerful passage. We could say a lot about it, but note that Jesus said that the Father is living inside of him. And Jesus only spoke and did what the Father spoke and did. What a powerful relationship, such that we see the Father by seeing the Son. And finally, as we conclude today in John chapter 17, uh, Jesus' intimate prayer with his father, uh, beginning in verse 20, he prays this, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying for us right now. And he says this, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Stop right there. Let me repeat that again. Jesus said, And that the world may know that you, Father, have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Have loved them as you have loved me. There is the proof that Father God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus continues praying, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. John chapter 17 verses 20 through 26. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Jesus' words, and I have declared to them your name. He's speaking to his father, our father, and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And we know from what it said there in Galatians chapter 4 that that love in us is the Spirit of the Son, Christ inside of us, the true Spirit of Sonship. 
we have an amazing Heavenly Father who will never let us go, will never let us down. He loves us tenderly. And even if you or I struggle with, well, how do I do this son thing with God as my father? Just trust the son that is living inside of you. He knows. Just enjoy. Enjoy your father's embrace. Let's pray. Father God, wow, it's so amazing that we can call you the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father. And yet, Lord, we see that this has been your heart from the very beginning. It is the story that is woven throughout all of the Scripture. Father, it is you and your infinite heart of love, Father love, for us. Love that brings us in and saves us. Love that brings us in close in your embrace as your children. Love that prepares a place just for us in your house. Father, I'm so thankful for your scripture. I'm so thankful for the testimony of your word. And Father, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who is alive, living inside of us, who will continue to bring revelation and understanding and experience of your Father love. In Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen.